Welcome to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries, a Christ-centered conversation that will encourage and inspire you to live a better life. Now let's join Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. Hello, you're listening to Hacks for Life, and I'm Galen Jones, your host, and I'm here with Scott Rahi. And if you've listened to the previous conversation, um, it was just um, was packed full of um, information um, that was really astounding to me. Uh, and we're talking about um, the evidence against evolution. Um, and wow, it, that was um, just incredible. Um, when to, especially when you understand that there's really brilliant minds out there that go, that ain't happening. I mean, that's just, it's too complex. And, and you know, I've always heard that, well, these things are kind of simple. Um, but, wow, after that, man, um, it's it's extremely complex. Uh, you know, I think you said 10 to the 77th power? 77th power, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. More than the number of atoms that he, that are in the entire universe, which is just nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, you know what goes through my head is how do how do people are are the are the individuals that um, we're talking about here are they believers are they um, well yeah Francis Collins was the head of the Human Genome Project he mapped the human genome and he's a believer he became a believer he was a one of these sort of very vocal atheists, and he mm-hmm. became a believer by the work he did on the human genome. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, how could you, if you if you were seeing that, yeah. uh, how could you not walk away going, there must be a God? There must be a God. Yeah, there, yeah. there has to be a, a divine presence, an intelligence right. there that is far beyond and that's any, any human intelligence. Yeah, that's essentially what he did. He... Uh, he looked at the stained glass window of a church and he compared it to the complexity, I think, of a cell. And he's got a picture that he shows when he does his lectures that I've, I've heard about. I haven't seen it. And uh, he just, it was a really profound moment for him. And he's like, yeah, this is, I can't continue being an atheist. Yeah. But he still accepts evolution. Yeah. And there are others that, that do. Alistair McGrath, there's a, a video that you can watch online where he's asked about it. And sure, yep, I believe it. I think that's the best explanation we have. Okay, fine. I think possibly some people say they accept it because it takes a topic off the table people use it and say that you know, this argues against evol- evolution argues against god no i accept it i'm still a christian let's move that off the table mm-hmm. and let's keep talking and that is a viable tactic it does you know it, at least it will end the conversation about that subject and people sometimes get you know there are skeptics that get frustrated because they want every christian to be a young earth creationist that thinks the universe is about 10,000 years old. Yep. And if we don't meet that sort of mold, Criteria, yeah. it frustrates them. Yeah, yeah. Actually, when I used to work at a previous company, I was having these conversations with other employees, and this guy would just, he was very, very angry atheist, one of the first ones I ever met. And he got in my face, uh, well, it was on email, but he, he got sort of intense about it and just demanded that I must accept this idea that the earth is only 10,000 years old because that's the only way that you can read the Bible legitimately. Right, right. And I, eventually I said to him, I said, look, man, if you want to be a young earth creationist, that's fine with me. I just thought it made him mad whenever I said that. <laughs> I wasn't trying to upset him, but 
you know, he, he, he wanted me to, he wanted to build me into a, a picture that was easy for him to attack. Right, right. They want to keep us in a box. And that's, that's one right, of the yeah. mistakes that in, in a lot of topics yep. that are discussed, yep. um, they want to want to put a set of belief or a belief system on the other that they can already know that they can counter. It's pretty Yeah, easily. it's essentially called yeah. attacking a straw man. And that, you know, the idea that, you know, if, if your opponent has just made a straw, you can hit him a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but if that's not what we believe, you know, they're attacking something that doesn't exist. Yeah. That's why people often try and redefine things like faith means blind faith and things like that. Well, I don't believe that. Yeah, well, I want you to believe that because it's easier to attack. Yeah, that. you it's need easier. to believe this so that I can win the argument. Yeah, I need to dismiss <laughs> yeah. you. And the only way I can yeah. dismiss you is if I mischaracterize what you believe. Right. It happens almost every day. Yeah. And you know what I find, too, is and this is in my own life, that sometimes we, we believe things. And I, and I hope our listeners are, are walking away with um, – uh, the the idea that when we believe something, we need to have a, a rationale and and know why we believe what we believe and be able to, like we, when we started this conversation, you know, to be able to defend what we believe. And if we don't even know what it is, which right. in many cases we don't. Yeah. So continuing on from what we were talking about last time, the, um, you know, this article that or this this quote that I gave from David Gulertner in the from CNS News, it's called "What If Darwin Was Wrong?" or "But What If Darwin Was Wrong?" and he talked about effectively the impossibility of this occurring. Um, it was basically zero, and that's just for one change. And then you try and accumulate all these changes, and you get millions. And I think that's one of the main points made by uh, Dr. Simmons in his book: uh, billions of missing missing links. It's not just one change; it's impossible. It's billions. Of them. <laughs> um, so let's ex- let's go. Th- let me read a couple of more quotes about this. Uh, this idea of millions of changes being needed. Um, I've pulled a quote. One of my favorite books on this topic is Evolution, A Theory and Crisis by Michael Denton. And I've mentioned before, he wrote this one quite a while ago. I believe he wrote it in the 80s. And people would come out and say, yeah, well, he's changed his mind. He no longer holds to that view. And so he wrote another book called Evolution, A Theory Still in Crisis, which kind of makes me laugh. <laughs> um, and that's, that's been within the last six or eight years, I think. So the, this, the, the second book, A Theory Still in Crisis, was to counter uh, the thought that he didn't believe the, what he I, wrote first time. I think it's in part maybe inspired by that. I don't think – I mean, he had a lot more to say in that book. And he, he updated the current research and what ah, the current findings okay, are. Okay. And 30 years on, 40 years on, what, what are people saying? But, yeah, I think it was probably motivated to some degree by that. You yeah. know, um, So here's the quote. It comes from pages 47 and 48 of this book. And uh, Denton says, Admittedly, the length of time necessary for evolution by natural selection would have to be very great. As Darwin concedes in The Origin, the greater the length of time, the better chance of beneficial variation arising and of their being selected, accumulated, and fixed. However, the revelation of just how vast an amount of time has elapsed during the history of life on Earth was one of the major discoveries of 19th century geology. Attempting to comprehend this immensity impresses the mind, as Darwin put it, almost in the same manner as does the vain endeavor to grapple with the idea of eternity. The undeniable capacity of organisms to undergo at least a degree of change, taken in conjunction with the vast time available, seemed to Darwin to greatly enhance the plausibility of his macroevolutionary uh, claims. In an eternity, any degree of change might occur. So what's, what's Denton saying? 
he's saying when we've talked about this is effectively a zero probability to do this Mm -hmm. but if you have an earth and a universe that is infinitely old over an infinite amount of time this stuff could accumulate zero will hit at some point and it's going to hit again and it's going to hit but you're it's an infinitely old earth and that's what they believed about the universe that's what they believed about the earth for a very long time um, and that's one of the reasons that people got so bent out of shape whenever the big bang you know you know ske- uh, skeptics did not like the idea that the universe had a beginning and they tried to come up with all kind of reasons to reject that because it undermines what it's one of the sort of uh, foundational principles. I have an infinite amount of time to work with for all of these changes to have occurred. Right, right. And now we don't. We got a, at most about five, five point six or something like that billion years that the Earth's been around, assuming you know cal- current calculations are right. Um, and it really limits the changes because they can't. I mean, certainly, you can't do it until life arrives on Earth, and. Then you got some. I'm not saying millions of years is a short amount of time. It certainly isn't, but it's not an infinite amount. Of right. Time. Yeah. So, and then I, I've quoted this before, but I think it's useful to to quote it again. Um, Barrow and Tipler um, wrote a book called The Anthropic Cosmological Principle, and on pages 562 to 564 of their book, they note the vast improbability of life developing anywhere in the universe. Um, they list 10 crucial ingredients that must be present for life to develop. Um, interestingly, each of these are so improbable and would take so much time to develop through blind evolutionary processes alone that before they occurred, um, our sun would have ceased to be able to support life. Basically, it would grow and destroy the earth or life could no longer exist. It's, it's basically, their, their math calculations said, okay, you know, this one change by the time that it finished, just one of them, mm-hmm. um, the sun's no longer going to support life. Right. And, they ha- and there's multiple changes. That They've got a list with. of 10. Oh, okay. Now, these guys are evolution, they're, they're, at least whenever they wrote the book, they believed in evolution. They accepted it. And they basically concluded, well, it must have happened because we're here. Yeah. And I don't think that's a viable, um, I don't think it's a viable way to draw a conclusion. They basically said, this is impossible, but it did happen somehow because we're here. We're here, yeah. And I just think that's you – know, there's a there's, they missed the point. You right. know, they, you know, they, yeah. Now, when we're talking here, just for clarification, because we mentioned this in, earlier when we were talking, that um, we're talking about evolution uh, without a design. Without, without design, Without yeah. intelligent yeah. design. We have no problem if God's behind it or if, you know, if there's yeah. a designing mind that's taking these steps and there's a – there's an intentional purpose. I'm going to make this change here, and the next generation will be. It's fine. That that I think that's entirely acceptable. I don't personally see the evidence for it, but if God wants to do it, that's God's. Yeah, He can kind of do. He'll, he doesn't have to consult me to see how He yeah. should do things. <laughs> I've never yet been consulted by God on that. I'm thinking about doing. You know, never has occurred. So let me talk really quick about one more thing when it comes to this this idea of the complexity. And this is the idea of um, the complexity in duplicating simple cells, like a cell that wants to reproduce. What sort of complexity is tied to that? And I'm going to refer back to Perry Marshall's book, Evolution 2.0. I've mentioned it a couple other times. On page 108, this is what he says. He says, E. coli bacteria duplicates its 4.6 megabyte genome in 40 minutes. So 4.6 megabyte genome means that's how much information is contained in the genome. Um, It would take up that much space. It achieves phenomenal 
copying precision and the way he writes it i'm gonna, I'm gonna i'll just step out it perceives it, it it achieves phenomenal 99.9999999999 percent copying precision so virtually 100 percent copying mm-hmm. precision the uh, and it does it in three stages the molecular machine that performs the first copying step makes one mistake every 100,000 letters Sensor-based proofreading then adds a second step. An enzyme senses distortion of the DNA helix and halts polymerization. It removes the incorrect base, inserts the correct letter, and resumes operation. This multiplies uh, accuracy by a factor of 100 to 1,000. Last, the cell employs three proteins for final proofreading. They do what's called mismatch repair, clipping out sections of DNA that contain erroneous letters and inserting newly manufactured error-free DNA. A special methylation feature prevents the machines from confusing the original DNA with the newly copied DNA. This stage further multiplies copying accuracy by a factor of 100. These three stages of error correction cascade for an accuracy of one mistake per billion letter. Now, remember the premise that these evolution advocates take, which is all of this sort of complexity has happened through chance plus time. Right. There's no guided. There's no guiding mind behind that, and yet somehow we're we're expected to believe that this level of precision has somehow just arrived. Yeah, just by through chance. inheriting and okay, I can do this better than I could do it. And you know, it's you know, survival of the fittest. You know, common to all these different things. It is just. It's to me. It's it's beyond absurd. Yeah. To conclude that this is occurring without a guiding mind. Yeah. And that goes back to what one of the things that the the book, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I yeah. mean, um, this is kind of a, wow, that's powerful. Yeah. So um, I'm going to shift to the to another topic here in just a, here in another second. But um, so let's go ahead and wrap this up, maybe, maybe slightly shorter than the other one. But it, I, I would take us way over if I shifted topics yeah, right yeah. now. And th- this is this is complex, so I think it'd be good for our listeners. Smaller but, bites. Yeah, and by the way, I you know, while while we're while we're here, um I, I, you and I have been talking and if there's a a church or a group that would like to uh have you or myself or both of us come out and and kind of talk through some of this stuff for a, 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 ch- a church or a group, a small group or what, whatever, um, we'd be more than willing to be able to try to make that happen. Yeah, if that do was, it online if that's yeah, the way yeah, they want to do it. we can do it virtually. You know. Happy to do that. Yeah, you know? yeah, I mean, would, no, this, I'm not doing this for money. You're not doing this for money. We're not doing this for fame or fortune. This is, And I'm not doing it because you know, I, I enjoy spending all my time reading. I mean, I do kind of enjoy reading this stuff, but... I, this is to me the way that I believe God wants me to serve uh, the church, and that is, you know, there are certain things that I enjoy that that are meaningful, and if if I can pass some of this on, I, yeah, I'm absolutely happy to do it, and you know, I want to uh, I, w- I want to make myself available if anybody's interested. Yeah, you know? super. Even if they just have people with questions that want to send me questions, yeah, you know, I'll be happy yeah. to and, um, do it offline if necessary. Yeah, our um, uh, contact information's on the recording so okay okay all right thanks scott you bet 
You've been listening to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. The James Group is a nonprofit Christ-centered organization that seeks to serve the community by offering skilled caring support for anyone in need. For help, call 972-243-4673. That's 972-243-4673. For questions and comments, email Galen at jamesgroupministries.net. That's G-A-L-O-N at jamesgroupministries.net. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another Hacks for Life with Galen Jones.